you've overlooked me, if you haven't sunk your roots into me, then you haven't sunk your roots into life. I'm the genuine vine. There is no other vine. Some scholars have said that this is uh, similar to Paul's analogy of the body of Christ, where there's one head and there's many members. It's an organic illustration. We're grafted in or we grow out of Jesus. But life comes from Jesus according to him. And he was at a painful moment in his life when he said this. It was his last meal with his best friends. It wasn't a ritual. It wasn't a, a, a church service. It was a meal, a real meal with his real friends. And he was about to lay down his life for them and for many others, including us. It was at a moment of pain that Jesus said, I am the vine, the true vine. And you're the branches. It's the person who shares my life and whose life I share who proves fruitful. And the plain fact is, apart from me, you can do nothing at all. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you made a choice, an intentional choice, to root yourself into the one source of true life, which is Jesus Christ? You say, well, I'm at a Christian college. I'm a professor at a Christian college. I'm on the staff of a Christian college. I, I lead Vespers at a Christian college. I'm going on potter's clay. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. Being near the vine doesn't mean being grafted into the vine. Being around other branches that are, are, are sharing the life of the vine doesn't mean you're sharing its life. Have you decided intentionally to root yourself into the life of Jesus Christ? And if you have, have you decided to cultivate that relationship? To nurture it? Ten times in those next seven verses, Jesus says, remain in me. Abide in me. Live in me. Live in my word. Live in my love. He's trying to over and over to get a point across. If you're going to experience love, if you're going to experience life, if you're going to experience a purpose, he says, remain, remain, remain in me. Cultivate your relationship with me. What would it mean to remain in the person of Jesus? You know, an illustration you can see right on this campus in our professors, I think, might illustrate it. We have men and women on our faculty who have decided to place their lives within certain disciplines, history or theology or physics. And when you meet one of our physicists, and they've been thinking physics for the last 25 or 30 years, they've remained in that discipline. They've cultivated a relationship with the knowledge in that field of study. And they think like physicists, and they look like physicists. They act like physicists. They eat like physicists. As they've remained in that discipline, it, it becomes... You know, they, whenever they're talking about anything, somehow physics comes into the conversation. And the same is true of all the disciplines. The same is true in marriage. If you stay in a marriage, not just stay in an institution of marriage but stay and cultivate a relationship of love with a spouse, with a husband or a wife. Something happens. Fruit grows out of it. Jesus said, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. 
I've seen marriages that have remained 40 and 50 years. And they've borne much fruit. There's one of them right here in this, uh, in this auditorium. A marriage of uh, 50 some years, I'll have to ask exactly, happens to be my mother and father. And I'd like them to stand right now and you can honor them. <laughs> and how much? 50, 58 years. I'm the fruit of them staying together. You can judge whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. And next to them is some fruit from the life of my wife and I. have been married 28 years. My son, Jason, and my daughter, Angela, and I'd like them to stand. Thank you. Come here, buddy. Yeah, I'll just hold it up. Hey, buddy. And then we have a little more fruit here. This is Caleb on my left, and this is Jordan on my right. And these are my two grandchildren. And uh, Jordan wants to be a preacher. <laughs> do you want to preach? Oh, yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. And uh, Caleb does have a Westmont sweatshirt that he wants to show all of you right after chapel. I'm going to give them back. There you go, Jordan. I have to have my microphone. Sorry. Bye-bye. See, he wants to be back up here preaching. My marriage has lasted 28 years and it's going to last till we die because that's what we decided. We decided we were going to remain in our marriage. But more important than that, because you can remain in a marriage and fall out of love. You can remain in a marriage and learn to just put up with one another. You can remain in the institution of marriage and become bitter and cold toward one another. And through our married life, it's had many ups and downs. Many times of pain, fear, senses of betrayal, frustration, anger, disillusionment, joy, beauty, happiness, all of the above. But Linda and I, by the grace of God, and Linda through great patience, decided to remain not just in the institution of marriage, but in a friendship between one another. And there's fruit that comes from that. Not just physical fruit, which you saw here today. But we've been together these last three days. My parents, my son, my daughter, and, and their son and daughter. And there's a warmth. They're, they're in the midst of pain and in the midst of mistakes. Because we've talked a little about some of the mistakes, my son and daughter. And I have talked about some of the mistakes I've made. And they've chosen, thank God, to see past my mistakes and to still care and reach out to me. And so we've cultivated a friendship, now an adult friendship. Jesus says, if you remain in me, and you cultivate this friendship, you'll bear fruit. And that fruit will glorify the Father, and it'll demonstrate that you're my disciples, my students. That's what disciple means. It's a student, somebody who studies the life of the Master and begins to live more and more like he lived think more and more like he thought, feel more and more what he felt, do more and more what he did. Well, what would it mean to bear fruit? 
what, what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about here? There have been numbers of suggestions. Is it converts? Is that the fruit that if we remain attached to Jesus, if we cultivate a relationship, then other people will come to know Christ and receive that fullness of life and forgiveness for their sins? That's a possibility. Does it mean a virtuous life? That if, if you stay centered in Christ, that you'll want to do the right thing, the loving thing, the meaningful thing, rather than the cheap thing and the easy thing and the passing thing? Is it a virtuous life that is the fruit of, of living in Christ? Is it joy? Jesus says in this passage, if you remain in me, I'm going to put my joy into you and it's going to make your joy complete. Is it joy that is the fruit of living a life in Christ? Could it be friendship? He says, I don't call you servants any longer because I've told you everything I know. I've told you everything the Father's told me to tell you. I now call you friends. You share in my confidence. Maybe it's friendship with Jesus. That is the fruit. Or perhaps obedience. He talks a lot in this passage about obedience. He says, if you remain in my love, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you'll remain in my love. Maybe it's obedience, something we talked about two weeks ago. Well, which is it? I, I think it's a combination of all of them. But in this passage, I think John is highlighting two of them. And the two that he's highlighting, I think, are that if we are in Jesus, and if Jesus is receiving the love of the Father, and Jesus is loving us in the same way that the Father loved him, Jesus tells us how he did that. He said, I will lay my life down for you. And then he tells us that we're to love one another as he has loved us. How has he loved us? He gave his life for us. He died on a cross for us. In Ephesians 5, 2, it says, Walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God's demonstration of his love is that while we were sinners, while we were still far afield of the mark, Christ died for us. The way he expresses his love is by giving himself by letting go of his rights and by sacrificing himself for us in love. And I think that's what he wants us to do. He tells us to obey his commands and then he tells us very clearly what his command is. It's to love one another the way he loved us. How did he love us? He laid down his life for us. He sacrificed. Raymond Brown, in his great commentary on the Gospel of John, says that in, in a person's love for Jesus, there's just simply a tendency to learn to sacrifice yourself in love for others. If you get to know Jesus and his life flows through you, there'll be a tendency that will grow, and you'll fight against it because it's not, it's not a natural tendency. It's a tendency of Jesus, not a tendency of our own. There will be a tendency to give yourself for others in love. To sacrifice. So the commandment is to love each other. He says very simply, my commandment is this. I don't know how much plainer we can get. My commandment is this. Love each other in the same manner in which I have loved you as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus was about to do the very next day after he spoke these words. He lay his life down for us. 
And he calls us to do it. Brown, in his commentary, has a wonderful quote. He says this, When we're pruned to bear more fruit, this involves a growth in love which binds the believer to Jesus and spreads life to others. If you put yourself in the life of Christ, if you bind yourself to the life of Christ, root yourself in the life of Christ, it will be a growth in love, and it will overflow to others, and others will come into the kingdom. But it's a natural consequence. And it's very clear what Jesus thinks, that the greatest evangelistic tool is not great preaching. The greatest evangelistic tool is not great tracts or crusades. Though I'm not knocking any of those. Those are tools that are used. But the greatest tool is the way we love one another. And the way we love one another cannot be very demonstrative of the love of God unless we're allowing ourselves to be transformed by the love of Christ himself. So I want to ask you two questions. Have you decided to root yourself into the vine? Have you decided on a life that is a growth of love and that will bind you to Jesus and spread itself out and give life to others. Have you made that decision? If you haven't, then I suggest you make it this morning. If you've made it a hundred other times, but you've fallen away from it, and you feel like Jesus said that the, your branch is broken off the tree and it's beginning to wither, if your life is, you're missing that joy, you're missing that peace, you're missing the, the fullness of what you think life should be, then let me suggest that you come back and root yourself into the vine. Secondly, have you made a lifelong decision, an intentional decision, much like a decision in marriage that says, I am going to cultivate this relationship. I'm going to work on it. I'm, I'm going to intentionally study the scriptures in order to hear the voice of Christ for my life. I'm going to intentionally pray in the morning a prayer that says, I intend to live for you, Jesus, today. And I'm going to pray a prayer of conscience at night and say, Lord, show me where I failed to do that. Are you going to live a life of prayer and a life guided by the scriptures? If you decide you want to cultivate a relationship with Jesus, let me suggest that at the very least you choose those two disciplines. And there are many other spiritual disciplines equally important. But at least choose those two to live a life of intentional prayer where you commit yourself to Christ each morning and you examine yourself each evening, and a life of intentional searching of the Scriptures so that you live your life in Christ. And third, I want to ask you if you've decided to have any friends in your life so that you can practice learning how to love. You know, the secret, I think, of Jesus' tremendous work was that he poured himself into 12 to 25 people. There were the 12 apostles. There were the women mentioned in Luke 8, verses 1 through 4, who traveled with him. And Jesus poured his life into them and taught them to love one another. And then the spread of his message, his good news, happened through what one author has called these incendiary fellowships, these, these, these fellowships full of the fire of Christ's love. Because they loved one another, and as persecution came, little groups were spread all over the Roman Empire. And they loved each other and they loved other people. They were bound to Jesus. They were bound to each other. And it spilled out into the lives of others. Do you have some friends like that? Just a few. Start with one or two who you say, at least for this year, 
the rest of the semester, next year if you're going to be here, we're going to live our lives together in Christ and learn to love so that we can be bound to Jesus, grow in love for each other, and have it pour out to others. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You're the branches. The person who shares my life and whose life I share is the person who proves fruitful. Let's pray. Jesus, you gave us a new commandment to love one another. And you rooted that commandment in our relationship to you. Help us now as we close in worship through music to think through our lives and to commit ourselves again or for the first time to be attached to your son Jesus, to grow in love for each other, and to allow our lives to spread the good news through that love to the whole world.
And now, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, the glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. You're dismissed.